What you brought me today is worth... Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm your host, Ryan Key. We are here today for the second of our mini-sodes, another one-quarter portion. And we're talking today about the leaked Colin Trevorrow script for Episode 9, Duel of the Fates, the name. What could have been. What could have been. What a sick fucking name, though, you know? Yeah, but as we're going to get into, it's fitting, man. It's uh, ominous. It's dark shit. It's definitely dark. It's dark. We talked a little bit before we got started here. I think we're pretty much on the same page about how we feel about this. Some cool stuff there. Some things that, I don't know, maybe not as cool as what we saw in The Rise of Skywalker, in our opinions. I think when you look at something like this, you ha- I mean, it's all speculation. What would this have actually materialized into on screen? Exactly. But I think overall, the tone of the script is so much more gritty and dark and sad it's sad gnarly like it doesn't feel like at at the end of this film personally that i would have felt the thing that you feel when you hear yubnub yes in a star wars film when the heroes win you know because that's kind of the point yeah i guess people can argue that but that said there is a lot about this that I love, dude. Like I, I maybe have mentioned this already in us talking on the podcast, how much I liked Rogue One because of the sort of like reality of it. It's the first Star Wars film that was ever shot to sort of feel like you were in the action and it was really believable. And that, I mean, part of that having to do obviously with that, there wasn't like a lot of force power and, and right. things going on in it, but it felt like a war film set in the Star Wars universe. So I've always thought, you know, I loved that and that it would be cool to see, you know, more films like that. But in the Skywalker saga, I do think at the end of the day, it would have felt out of place. Yeah. I think this was like a continuation of the crate battle scene, which was dark, you know, like minus dust your shoulder off. It was dark. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think that it was living in that universe though, of like really dark Kylo Ren and really, you know, hopeless resistance. It was kind of, that was the vibe. But I think when we get through this, like it didn't really change though, (laughs) even at the end of the script, it's like, who knows? I don't. We, I didn't actually get to read the script, so I don't know. Well, let's get into it. This script was uh, written by Colin Trevorrow, who was until mid-2017. We don't know exactly when uh, he parted ways, but until then, he was the director and writer of this film. Trevorrow um, is, I guess, most famous for having written and directed Jurassic World. That's his big one. To be honest, I wasn't paying much attention to who was directing what films early on when, when I heard, and... By the time I realized who he was, I was hearing that he was off the project. I had seen Jurassic World by then, and I was like, oh, fuck, we dodged a bullet. Right. Again, I I don't want to be negative on this podcast. We're trying to keep it light. But I think (laughs) Jurassic World, right? Jurassic World. Sure. One of the Jurassics. And no offense to him, but I just think it completely misses the point of the original book and film. Yeah. The dinosaurs are the villains in that. The humans are supposed to be the villains. Right. That's what the whole point of Jurassic Park was. Yep. So, I don't know. The guy does some cool stuff, but I was not on board. So, I was stoked that he was gone. Sorry again, Colin, if you're listening. 
interesting that it was like six months or so or whatever it ended up being after this draft that has been released. And yeah. And and you mentioned to me that there's other drafts that apparently are like coming out now that were later than this one. So this one was uh, dated December 16th, 2016, 11 days before Carrie Fisher died on December 27th, 2016. Crazy. Gnarly. So he supposedly wrote additional drafts after trying to write in Leia's death to compensate for the fact that we had lost Carrie Fisher. And I guess the feeling is that in pursuit of that alternate version, there was the inevitable creative differences that then led to his parting ways with Lucasfilm and Disney on this. Well, it does also mentioned that Carrie Fisher was going to have Leia was going to have a, a pretty large role yeah. in the draft we're discussing tonight. And also, you know, that Kathleen Kennedy might have sort of already been you got to put yourself in her head as the, as the head of the corporation, like thinking this is a pretty cold, dark way to end this positive force wielding saga. Right. And then to, to have to deal with all that probably kind of just put her over the edge, I guess, to say, you know what, man, let's cut our losses. Well, let's get into the opening crawl. We have an opening crawl. We know, we know exactly what it is on this, even though we don't have the script in hand. So Ryan Key hit us with that theater shit. The iron grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Pretty cool. Solid. You know? Solid. Solid opening crawl. So we're not going to go absolutely beat by beat for the script. It's out there. There's a whole Reddit thread that came out when this thing first dropped. There's no end to the number of articles about it. It's been since confirmed by Colin Trevorrow that this is a real script. So it's out there. We are going to more just kind of hit like the major points and then get into uh, more opinions. So big differences right out of the gate. This thing opens with this Indiana Jones style cold open fucking James Bond style. There's, there's this big action scene right at the beginning, which looks pretty amazing on paper. I think we see Rose first, Rose and BB-8, and then Finn and Poe. They steal a Star Destroyer, and it's this huge fucking action scene. So, I think that's a proper interpretation of Rose, Tico's character, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there, that I think when he read or watched The Last Jedi, he that that's proper use of her character. Yeah. And Abrams definitely did... The same thing, like stealing a Star Destroyer, but did it in this like tiny way right. to get her out of the script because fans didn't like her, which was a right. little bit. That, that's one of the things about Rise of Skywalker that bummed me out. But I think this is like I'm going to use her skills and her 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 or her skill set and her technical ability, and she's going to play a major role in this. We would have gotten to see her like doing techie, cool, nerdy Star Wars shit and stealing a star destroyer that i think out of all the stuff we're going to go through that's the biggest point of the plot that i think is like man okay i would have loved to see that yeah resistance fighters rebel alliance whatever you want to call it back in the day to stealing a giant imperial or first order ship that is good writing it is straight up indiana jones it's awesome and kelly we love you and you should have gotten the chance to steal this big ass ship real talk other big differences ray right out of the gate She's got her own lightsaber. She's on that straight path to being a Jedi. It's a double-bladed lightsaber that she kind of fashioned from Luke's or Anakin's lightsaber and her staff. Some awesome concept art showing that. Yeah. Another cool difference that actually tracks a little better 
that the saber that was split in two in the last Jedi was like it was it was rebuilt as opposed to just, oh, yeah, it's all back to normal. A leather strap on it. Yeah, yeah I like that, too. So she's yeah, she's on kind of this straight and narrow path to being a Jedi. Yet she's contrary to that vibe. She's in all black, just like Luke in Return of the Jedi. Deliberate. Deliberate. But uh, I think it goes in the basket of all the throwback stuff that's yeah. happened through The Force Awakens, through The Last Jedi. There, there was all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that was it's the same thing. And I also would have liked that. You know, that's the thing. I'm going to say this throughout the whole episode podcast. Like all this stuff sounds fucking awesome to me. Yeah. On the other side of the coin from her straight and narrow path. To being a Jedi, Kylo is kind of on the straight and narrow dark side path. He killed Han. He's all in, no coming back. You see a very, I don't want to say very different version of Kylo, but a, a more like resolute version of Kylo. Not so much the battle that he kind of faces through the entire existing saga where he's on the fence. Here, it's just straight up. He's dark side. He's not fucking with anything else. It's like he didn't come back from the throne room scene. You know, right. the Supreme Leader is dead. Long live the Supreme Leader. That was it. He was done. Yeah, we uh, we get more Luke in this one. Force Ghost Luke is haunting Kylo and teaching Rey from the beginning. I think that the idea of him haunting an unsolicited Force Ghost interaction for the first time is is pretty fucking sweet. And maybe falls into kind of the concept of like there's a new Force power in every movie. Yeah, uh, there's no Palpatine in this one. He's mentioned at some point. I don't know what the deal is uh, specifically, but he's not a part of the story. There is instead a Sith master named Tor Valum. He was Palpatine's teacher. Oh, there you go. I think that it says that. And in the concept art, you see he's like this lumpy fucking spider kind of thing with these spindly arms. Shit would have got real weird. And he meets him on Mustafar, actually. So unlike, I guess, this whole trilogy where we don't really see many familiar planets, here we get two big ones. We get Mustafar and we get Coruscant. Also chosen. You know, Mustafar and Coruscant chosen that way, like... I feel like he went through and chose the the darkest parts of yeah. of the original and, and is throwing back to those. I mean, there's no point in this script where we're going, you know, we're not going back to like a green planet or a sunshine yeah. filled desert planet. It's all dark. Yeah, yeah. Start to finish. Yeah, because Coruscant is not what we remember. It's all just run down and shit. Poverty everywhere. Like the, the First Order has, has fully kind of occupied it. People are oppressed. There's just... Bad shit's happening. So uh, those are key locations. Uh, some more differences. Ray's parents are, in fact, nobodies for real. There's no subversion there in, in The Last Jedi. He just, he ran with it. And Kylo Ren killed Ray's parents. Dark. Snoke's orders. Gnarly. I feel like that might have gotten redrafted, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that that would have fit in the, in the storyline from the two yeah. previous films as well. Him, like, knowing the whole time that he murdered her parents. That's, right. I don't, I don't think that's a thing. So there, in turn, is no Raylo. There's no romance there. No redemption for Ben Solo at the end. Ray ends up killing him in this battle at the end. Dark. Finn, this is positive. Finn has a much bigger role. I think a more fulfilling role. Uh, yes, this is a good... In this script? Agreed. He ends up leading the uprising on Coruscant. It's like what the casino scene should have been in that film. It's a purposeful, deliberate choice that has a lot of meaning to the overall story arc of every character. Him leading a, an uprising of oppressed citizens on like one of the most famous planets in the Star Wars universe. Leia also has a much bigger role, obviously, because this, this was written before Carrie Fisher died. What else? I think that's pretty much like a, the broad strokes of like the stuff that was really yeah. big you know, major differences to cover without reading the entire story. Yeah. Let's go down here and just read off some things real quick. 
some other new characters, Admiral Vaughn in place of General Pride that we had in the Rise of Skywalker. I'm assuming similar role. Knife Nine, that ship, the Knights of Ren ship that is actually in Galaxy's Edge. It's called Knife Nine like in canon, right? It's, it's, that's been a thing. Yeah. Well, the Knights of Ren are way more involved in this story. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like a part with speaking roles that are involved in the outcome of the story. They have different names as well. Something Ren, something Ren. All of them rather than the, the names that we see in the visual dictionary of the Rise of Skywalker. Hux is now Chancellor Hux. Apparently, there's also a version where he tries to learn to use the Force and can't and is disgraced in some way and kills himself with Kylo's lightsaber. Did not see that coming. That's some samurai shit. (laughs) And he also, he has somebody executed with a guillotine with like a lightsaber blade kind of guillotine blade. Kind of like Dryden Voss's weapon in um, Solo, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. lightsaber blade, however however you yeah. craft one of those. The big lightsaber cheese slicer. Yes. What else here? Um, Ky- well, Kylo's kind of missing. I would say, you know, like act one of the film, everyone's kind of like, where is Kylo? Yeah, which is kind of like, I guess, how we open the actual version of Rise of Skywalker that we got. Yeah, that's similar. But it's an issue, I guess, here in Hux is like, what the fuck? Where is this dude? The council is like, where is this dude? Apparently, he's been on Mustafar, like, in Vader's castle. Pretty sick. Trying to learn shit, being haunted by Luke, all this crazy shit. In Vader's temple, he finds a Sith holocron. Instead of the Wayfinder, they, they stick with the holocron kind of thing. This is where we see Palpatine. So it's a hologram of Palpatine uh, recording for Vader. Vader is supposed to uh, take Luke to this planet called Remnicor, which is where Kylo Ren ends up going. So rather than Exegol, Remnicor is kind of the focus he goes to see Torvalum. We mentioned earlier the Sith Master. It was Palpatine's teacher. Killer name. Good, yeah, good for name. For a Sith. So after, here's, it gets even darker. After scanning Kylo, the Holocron realizes, oh, this isn't Vader. Self-destructs, releases this red lightning, which burns Kylo Ren. He's screaming. It's all gnarly. It scars the shit out of his face. Like bad, like really bad. He's just like completely disfigured, I guess Palpatine style. And Leia feels what's happening to him. It's just like dark. (laughs) It's way more what we may actually have seen also if the Game of Thrones dudes had gotten to do their trilogy. Yeah, yeah. This is more Game of Thrones than Star Wars. Despite all of this, Rey still thinks there's good in Ben, in Kylo. She's kind of committed to that. That ends up not going well. Rey ends up training with Force Ghost Luke. Luke's pushing her to get stronger in the Force. He's pushing Kylo to let Ben out. He's kind of like, you know, Probably would have been cool to see in theory, but also maybe similar version of like fan service for people who were upset that there wasn't enough training in The Last Jedi. It would also kind of be like, why are we watching this again? Like it's right. I don't, I don't need a makeup training scene, you know? Right. I guess also there's um, some disagreement between Luke and Ray, you know, rather than Luke in the version that we got kind of coming to her with, I was wrong and, and connecting with her that way. It's, they're still kind of like at odds with each other, which is interesting. Right. Ray's kind of like trying to back out almost from being a Jedi. She's questioning herself, like you mentioned earlier, just like Luke did in the original trilogy. Kylo's still looking for Ray. Tells Hux, find the resistance, wipe them out, leave the girl to me. He tells him all this with with Mandalorian armor like fused to his face. Right. Yeah. He apparently like he melts it all down. His, his helmet puts it back together, and then just like. Put that shit on an open wound. and Yeah, I wonder if it would have been like a cool thing where when the reveal was, it was like literally fused to his, you know, like half of his face was kind of just like metallic over the scars. Like Joe Dirt's wig is just fused into his scalp. Same thing. <laughs> Fucking, you need those references to good shit like Joe Dirt to sell a script. 
He's on Coruscant when this is happening. Before he leaves Coruscant, he takes, this is key shit here. He takes Vader's mask and I guess he's looking at it and he understands Vader now. And he says to the mask, to him, because he's still speaking to him somehow, you allowed love to cloud your judgment. And he throws the mask off a balcony and it shatters. So he's just like no longer idolizing Vader. He's like, no, you were a bitch. Essentially. Yeah. He's, he, well, he's evolved into this metal faced monster. That's for real. Now yeah. it's done. There's no turning back. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, probably stronger than Vader at this point. Yeah. I mean, if he was to go this dark, you know, and not come back and not be conflicted at all, he would technically be stronger than Anakin right. and Vader ever were. Um, let's see what else. I, I like the team. I like the team thing. That's a good throwback. Which we had, a, we had a little bit of it in the in uh, the Last Jedi. Different teams of people accomplishing missions, yeah, like parallel storylines, parallel missions. Yeah, we had that in Jedi, in Return of the Jedi as well. And I think Rise of Skywalker did not do that. Obviously, yeah. it was very deliberate in Rise of Skywalker to be like, all your heroes are traveling the galaxy together to accomplish this mission. You know, right? And and this is more of the old school, splitting them up to get to an end result. Yeah. Oh, there's a scene in the training in Kylo's training with this this Sith spider fucking creepy dude there's kind of a throwback to the empire strikes back cave scene kylo goes into this cave to fight vader the fight's brutal and kylo actually loses in the end uh, both kylo ren and ray end up on a planet called mortis which is it's a planet that it's been referenced in the cartoons a couple times a bunch of times actually it's it, apparently it's pretty key in the clone wars and it's in rebels as well it's this planet that is like deep deep history for force users, it was like this ethereal realm within the force that was, you know, in legends and shit. So I guess this is something that this looks like something that was sort of adapted into Exegol. Mm-hmm. They just went full Sith with that rather than this being for both sides. It's like um, the brightest stars have a heart of Kyber kind of thing. Right. Yeah. The core of the planet was something like that. End up fighting there. Chewie shows up flying a fucking X-Wing. This is awesome. I love this shit. The idea of Chewie's big ass in an X-Wing. That's pretty awesome. It's just so dope. Speaking of Chewie, they don't really cover this in, in the, the breakdown of the script, but in the concept art, there's some gnarly images of Chewie being tortured by Kylo Ren. In chains and shit. And I don't think I would have liked that very much. I was broken enough when he wailed when he heard that Leia died. Yeah. You know, when he wailed when Han died. I don't know if I could have seen Chewie, like, getting electrocuted and forced, you know, like, his brain getting taken apart. By his nephew, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Chewie. (laughs) Uncle Chewie. (laughs) When when the Thank the Maker web store is up and running, you'll be able to get an Uncle Chewie (laughs) t-shirt. Fucking A. We're committing to that shit. Um, So... This whole thing comes to, like, the parallel stories reach their peaks with Rey and Kylo Ren fighting on Mortis and this battle happening on Coruscant where Finn ends up leading this uprising of all these, like, downtrodden people. And there's this big, awesome battle. The way it's described here is fucking awesome. I actually would have loved to see this, and it would have been great for Finn's character. Very similar to the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Battle on Endor and battle in the throne room. People just kind of jumping out of the shadows, throwing rocks and shit at the stormtroopers. Very, like, grassroots uprising. Right, right. Swinging rocks on ropes over their heads at giant mechanized war machines and winning. Yeah, totally would have worked. Yeah, that's how you kill them, right? <laughs> that was, yeah, sorry. That was negative. <laughs> We're not doing very well with our uh, our positive commitment. We are. Yes, we are. We're doing a great job. Here we go. Um, Towards the end, Luke, Obi-Wan, and Yoda appear as Force ghosts to save Ben, but are unsuccessful. Ben is, quote, extinguished. 
Yeah, so you got to wonder what that scene would have been like. Would, yeah. would the force ghosts have been more kind of active than we've ever seen them before? You know, sort of like super involved in this wild battle scene that we would have seen between Rey and Kylo. Like, you know, how much contact would they have had yeah. using the force, like actually like moving objects or or the two of them? If the script says they're trying to save Ben, I see them like, you know, trying to get in the middle of it by like pulling them apart and Rey like being strong enough at this point to be like, you know what, force ghosts? fuck you guys. I, <laughs> you're not holding me back. Like that, that would have been pretty sick. Yeah. One, uh, final detail. Han Solo actually does appear in this one as well. He confronts Kylo at some point. We don't have details on whether that's a vision from Kylo's own memory, like it was in the rise of Skywalker or what, but anybody who's, uh, trying to hate on JJ and say the shit's better. It was here too, dog. Oh, you mean everyone? Yeah. I mean, literally every article I looked at when, when researching for this, I didn't see one that didn't say if we could have just gotten this movie, but we'll never know. Right. Instead of the the pile of garbage that J.J. Abrams gave us. Every article said that. Yeah. And it's like going through this with you and talking about it. Same. I, I feel the same way. How much rehashed stuff did we mention in this? Like the same thing, the same fan service, the same throwbacks. But nonetheless, a very different film. And I was I was going to say, don't you kind of get the feeling that throughout the entire probably, you know, three hours that this movie was going to be that you just would not have seen the sunlight one time? Yeah, it would have been cloudy or inside of a Star Destroyer or in space or on Mustafar, like just lava and blackness and black clothes and storms and space. Yeah. And probably bitching cool fucking movie. But is it the last Star Wars movie you want to see? Just no hope, no light. I mean, the force is the light, dude. And yeah. this movie has no light in it. Right. I feel like the way it's described up to the end of the final battle, again, I'd have to read the whole thing in here to imagine or hear like the words coming out of her mouth. But I don't feel like Rey becomes the hope, the force awakened, you know, that the galaxy is looking for. Right. At the end of this, she, she slays Ben Solo. Yeah. And like, that's her redemption, murdering him. I just, I don't know how it actually ends, you know, with dialogue. But again, a lot of this stuff to me is so sick from a point of how dark it is. And like watching it probably would have been like, oh shit. Yeah. But overall, like where is the force overcoming anything? Where is the good defeating the evil? Because it doesn't feel to me like Ray ended her journey. And and say what you will about I'm Ray Skywalker, if you have a problem with that. But nonetheless, like she ended her arc as the hope that the galaxy needs. On which, a high note. Which is what this whole story's been about since seventy seven. Right. Is the Skywalker bloodline being the savior of the galaxy. Yeah. So I mean, like we said at the beginning, we buried the lead straight up, right out of the fucking gate. <laughs> but I think we're fully in agreement that as cool as all of this shit could have been it for us wouldn't have been fulfilling on the level of a fairy tale ending. Really? That's what we want out of the Skywalker saga. That's what the Skywalker saga is. Yep. So I just like a lot of the writing tools and I do, I do think some of those could have been used by Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams both. Yeah. I like the missions. I like the stealing the starter story. I like that kind of, that feels old school to me, you know, uh, breaking into the the satellite on Endor or, or whatever mission you want to right. choose from the original trilogy. It feels really deliberate and believable. It's not the casino scene. I keep bringing that one up, but right. it's just not a cartoon in the middle of an epic space adventure, you know, right. and that kind of stuff. I think there could have been more of that in both. I think The Force Awakens delivered that more than any of the three films did. Yeah. But I think that eight and nine could have both had more stuff like stealing Star Destroyers. Can you guys tell that I like the stealing Star Destroyer part? 
Dude, when I when I started watching, because the the dude who originally kind of broke the story was a YouTuber, filmmaker, makes documentaries and shit. As soon as I heard that shit come out of his mouth, I was like, "Oh fuck, maybe this is better." It's same, by the way, same. That was the first bullet point that I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe everyone's right." And then by the end, I was like, "No, I'm cool." I wanted like a positive love story ending, with still with tragedy. They didn't go off into the sunset kissing and fucking tweeting each other emojis and shit. Like it was dark. <laughs> But like, ultimately, like, love saved the galaxy. Love won. Yes. You know? We sure need a little bit of that in the world, you know? Fucking A. So, thanks, J.J. Abrams. We really like you, man. Yes. Uh, let's get coffee. I think, ultimately, all of the, the excitement around this script and this concept art, it's just more Star Wars shit, so people are pumped. And lots of people weren't stoked on The Rise of Skywalker, so any alternative, they're going to see that grass as greener on the other side of what could have been. And... Concept art in a script, you're working with your imagination. Mm -hmm. Just like you go into a movie, you got everything planned out in your head already, just ready to be let down. This is that times a thousand. Yeah, it's like me putting together the the Force Ghost trio battling. I mean, who knows mm -hmm. what that actually would have looked like? But I get to read that it was some you know a scene with all of them in it, and I make it up in my head of what I want it to be. Yeah, and everyone was guilty of that with all three of these movies, but. It's done now. And imagine they made this one and then JJ's script leaks. Like, oh, fucking Palpatine came back. Oh, could you imagine? Exactly, man. You know, it'd be the same shit on the other side. That's such a good point. That's such a good point that I didn't even think of. It almost would have been more violent of a reaction, I think. Yeah. For everyone who thinks it was just like using old tools, not coming up with anything new and all that. It's like, oh, okay. So it wasn't just like one of the strongest souls to ever come into the galaxy, you know, and like can defy death, which goes all the way back to Revenge of the Sith when he literally just says, hey, I can defy death. Right. Yeah. I, I can feel myself doing that, reading, doing what we're doing tonight. And in it, it says, so Emperor Palpatine was like being revitalized by thousands and thousands of loyal Sith loyalists on a dark lightning filled monolith looking planet. I would have been really bummed that I didn't get to see that. So that's a great point, man. Yeah. And you would see the concept art of that throne. Yeah. And the, and the legions, the legions of, of the Sith Lords in the stands, you know, like mm -hmm. cheering them on. And just, yeah, I, I agree, man. You're a smart guy, bud. I do my best. So I guess uh, that's a good place to wrap it up. Sure, man. All right. So until next time, uh, tell us where people can find you on the internet. You can find me on all my socials at William Ryan Key. And you can find me on all of my socials at Adam the Skull. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at ThinkTheMakerPod and on Twitter at ThinkTheMaker1. And most importantly, we would love for you guys to support the podcast at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash ThinkTheMakerPod, where we would love for you to sign up get behind this thing and uh, be able to help us out with content from week to week, submitting questions for test bay 94 and also just asking us any questions you might want us to answer about ourselves and what we got going on on the podcast. So patreon.com forward slash thank the maker pod. And until next time, may the force be with you. 